guys pray with me this morning? Because here's the deal. I didn't come to talk to you. I came for the Spirit to speak through me to you, all right? So I need to get out of the way, and you guys need to hear from the Spirit. You don't need to hear from me. So let's usher the Spirit in to speak with us this morning. Father God, we come to you this morning and say thank you so much for how you love us, how you chase after us, how you care about us, how you provide for us, how you protect us. God, you have us here because you want to speak to us, because you care enough about us to keep learning and keep growing. So God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come, that you're preparing the hearts of everyone who's here, that you're opening their ears, that they would hear what you have to say to them. Would you eliminate me from the equation, God, and just speak through me, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, and that you would translate everything into the hearts and the minds of those who are receiving it. We usher you in, we invite you, and we say take complete control. This is yours. And we praise you, and we thank you because we know you have already done it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we are in week three of our established series, okay? Week three. And in this established series, we are growing, and we are thriving, and we are growing together in our faith with one another. An awesome thing. Would you join me? We are going to get started in John chapter 6 is our scripture today. John chapter 6. We are starting in verse 5. This is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. This is what he says. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. The title of today's message is brought to you again by the youth pastors, which means most of us aren't going to know what it means. I didn't know what any of them meant, in fact. But the title of this message today is Give That Bag. Give That Bag. I'll explain it to you, okay? But here in a little bit. So, hey, would you greet five people around you? Give them a fist bump. Throw a snowball at them later and tell them, hey, give that bag. Give that bag, girl. Ashley Barkas, and I am so glad that I get to share with you this morning and speak with you this morning. Um, If this is your first time, I am not the person who is usually preaching here, but I have been a part of this church from the time I was born, in fact. So this has been my church home, and I get to be a part of um, just the ministry that's going on that God is doing here, and I'm so excited every now and again to get to share with you as well. Um, My husband and I I was, in fact, the youth pastor here at one point, but then my husband and I felt the call to do missions and to work on the mission field in Benin, West Africa. So at some point, um, it was about year 2008, 2009, that we had decided, hey, it's time for us to move over there. And so um, we were getting ready to do that. And anyways, we 
lived there for over 10 years, and that is part of the reason why I don't have any clue of any of these titles of what's going on. Pastor Ty likes to say that I am absolutely clueless when it comes to any slang terms, anything culturally relevant that's going on. I've kind of lived under a rock, and I'm totally fine with that. He's right. So what, um, it, it, when we talk about giving that bag, it's a, the, the opposite of that is get that bag. Anybody know what I'm talking about when we say get that bag? A few. Okay, but not all of you. Thank you. It's not just me. Get that bag is kind of a slang term that we have in our culture that says go get that money. Go get, make them bills. Get those dollar bills. And so that is a big part of our culture as we're trying to chase after that money and chase after that bag and, and get that money so we can do stuff. But here in the Christian culture, in the kingdom of God culture, there's a flip. The idea is really to give that bag. We're holding on to that idea of getting that bag so much, but can we give that bag? Can we open up our hand? Hey, listen, I'm not a televangelist, all right? It's, we're gonna talk a little bit about our finances because we can't actually grow in our faith and in our, in our life with Christ if we don't talk about everything that involves in our life because we can't separate the spiritual and the physical. It's all together. We can't compartmentalize it. And if we do compartmentalize it, then it means I bumped you out of this space and we're not gonna bump God out of that space. So here's my experience with money. When it came to that time for my husband and I to be able to move overseas, one of our biggest struggles was how are we going to do that? We know that we wanted to go. We know that the Lord was calling us over into this part of the world that we had been. We had traveled back and forth to so many times, and we wanted to be there full time and to be able to do that work. But there's our school bills. How are we going to pay for those? How are we going to support everything that we have going on? And so we worried a lot about that. We were concerned a lot about that, and we prayed a lot about that. How are we actually going to make this happen? Because we have all these other things that we have to take care of as well. Well, um, we were in a small group here at the time, here at Be Hope. And so we were at the small group with um, our friends and the people that we had built community with. And in that day, we were reading in Matthew chapter 10. So I'm going to take you guys there, Okay. In Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read it in the message version. And this is what it says. It says, don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep going are three meals a day, so travel light. Well, if that doesn't smack you right in the face, I'm not really sure what does. So we were struggling to try and figure out. We had all of these logistics, and here's me. I'm like, I just want to go. It's going to be fine. We're just going to all figure it out. Well, every marriage has a yin and a yang. So I'm like, hey, it's going to be fine. We're just going to go. Well, then luckily, the Lord gave me a responsible individual <laughs> that I'm married to, and he's like, babe, we do have to, we have to do our part. we got to get this stuff figured out. And so we're trying to get those logistical things figured out. How are we going to go? But when we were in the Word, when we were in Scripture, the Lord made it very clear to us. You're not going to have to do a fundraising campaign. You don't have to come up with all of those things. Let me do that. That's my job. What I need is you. You are all you need. You are all I need. You are the equipment. So just get started. So we did. We got all of our stuff together and we said, hey, we're heading out. And we did. And guess what? God provided for us. He always did. But we felt like Philip here in this story. Let's dive back into this story. We felt like Philip because what Philip is doing here is trying to figure out how is that going to happen. Let's read this again. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
He said this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Pop quiz. Jesus has given Philip a pop quiz. He's testing him. That's what it says. He's testing him. I don't like pop quizzes, whether it's in school or in my life or in my spiritual life. I don't like it. Can you just give me the answer? But we have the opportunity to grow in our faith. See, what Jesus is doing here when he offers this test to Philip, he's not doing it to trick him. He's doing it to grow him in his faith. His objective was to grow him in his faith so that he could become more like Christ. His objective was to show him that our financial resources are not the most important resources. He wanted him to see what can be done beyond the finances that he's calculating. So what Philip is doing is trying to add up. And what he says is Philip answers, he said, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Did you guys catch that? Jesus asked him a question. He said, where are we going to get enough food? To feed these people. And Philip responded with not the answer to the question that he asked. You know what that is? That's annoying. Maybe you do this with your spouse. Ask a question and he or she responds back with something totally different than what you asked. That's annoying. Maybe you're, you do that with your kids. Did you ask them a question and they go off on something else? You're like, no, that is not what I asked. Answer my question. But Jesus doesn't do that. But Jesus is testing him. This is what Philip is doing. Philip is calculating logistically how is this going to happen. But Jesus just said, where? When we go on, another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? Andrew, this disciple, is essentially doing the same thing. He's saying, well, here's, here's food. This is something. But he's doubting. He's saying, but how is that possible? How is that going to work? Philip is being logistical. Andrew is being doubtful. Now, here's what I know. This little boy has five loaves of bread and two fish. So in Benin, we have a bakery in our little village. There's a bakery for the town and any of the villages that are surrounding it. And they bake fresh bread every morning. Mmm, it's good. It just like melts in your mouth. They put some avocado on it and stuff like Y'all are getting hungry. We'll be out of here before long, okay? It is so yummy. Fresh bread is so yummy. Well, what I know is the women will go to the bakery and they get bread from the bakery. They buy it in large quantities. They get it from the bakery and then they have this big like flat basket plate type thing that they put on their head and they load it up with loaves of bread and then they walk through the village and they distribute the bread and everybody can buy it right off of the woman's head. So when we get fresh bread, the lady comes right to our house and just yells, hot bread, hot bread. And that's what we know to come out and we can buy bread right there. If the woman's not selling it, one of her children is walking around selling it. And so the child would have this bread on their head, just like this boy. Because I can't imagine that he has five loaves of bread that he's going to have for lunch. So I can only deduce that he was probably had this bread and he was going out to sell it. Because that's my experience. So that's where I take it. The Bible doesn't say that, but I'm just, this is free for you. A little extra, a little add-in for you. So that's what I see. So what happens then is Andrew says, well, here's somebody else's resources. Here's this boy with five loaves and two fish. But how far is that going to go? You know what? It's real easy to offer up somebody else's stuff, isn't it? 
Or if you're like cleaning out your house, it's kind of hard to get rid of stuff, but you go over to your sister's house, and you're like, girl, get rid of that. You don't even need it. It's so easy to get rid of other people's stuff, right? It might be hard to get rid of your stuff. Well, what Andrew does is said, here's something, but he's doubting. But what the boy does is gives all of it. He just gives it. Here's what I have, and here you, here you go. Now, I don't know. I'm going to add into Scripture. The Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I don't know if Jesus paid him for that bread or not. The Scripture doesn't tell us. Did he just give that bread? Did, was that bread purchased from him? Because if he goes home, and he was supposed to spell, sell that bread, and he goes home, and his mama sees that he didn't sell that bread, and you don't have that bread, his mama's going to be mad. He's going to get whooped. Where's the money? What happened? Uh, I just gave it away. Yeah, how's that working out for you? But the boy gave it away. And then here's what happens. As Jesus takes the bread, he says, have them sit down. Jesus says, have them sit down. There's plenty of grass here. So here's what I love, too, about Jesus. Let's catch this. Here's what I love about Jesus. When Jesus asks a question to Philip and Philip responds with something totally different and he responds with logistics, Jesus was kind and patient with him. He didn't get on him and say, you knucklehead. That's not what I asked you. Respond to my question. He was kind and patient. When Andrew was doubting him, Jesus was kind and patient. That's how he treats us. Because, see, Jesus knows that we're going to struggle with those things as well. We're going to struggle with trying to figure out logistics, and we're going to struggle with doubt, and we're going to struggle with worry. And Jesus is kind and patient with us because that is his character, because he loves us. And I love that about Jesus. He has, has, says, have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. That was important to Jesus. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Don't miss this. Don't miss the lesson in the leftovers. The lesson in the leftovers is that while Philip was doing addition, Jesus was doing multiplication. Because that's how our God is. What we learned up there at top is that when Jesus said he was going to test Philip, he, he said, I already, he said he already knew what he was going to do. Because our God is the God of all solutions. He already has the solution. When he faced a problem that looked impossible in, God, in man's eyes, he already had the solution there. Our God is the God of all solutions. And then we see at the end, when, he, when we give something to him, while we were trying to add it up, and in our hand, all we can do is add it up. But in Jesus' hand, he multiplies it. And then there's an abundance. What was impossible in Philip's hands was possible in Jesus' hands. When Philip was doing logistics... Jesus was living in the supernatural. When Philip could only see a problem, Jesus saw the solution. When Philip was living in scarcity, Jesus says, I have an abundance. There is a lesson in the leftovers that Jesus is our abundance. When we give to him, he multiplies it. So are we going to give that bag? Are we just chasing after it and holding on to it? Are we going to open up our hand and say, here's what we have? And know and see that Jesus can multiply it. He is the God of all resources. 
He has everything at his disposition. Our God is the God of solution, and our God is the God of all resources. There's a lady there. Her name's Mama Pastor. That's what we call her, Mama Pastor. Everybody say, Mama Pastor. <laughs> She's a big old lady. She's got the darkest, smoothest skin, and she just has peace about her. It's like she doesn't have a worry in the world because she's lived through enough life to know it's going to work out. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. And she's the one that said whenever we would face a problem, whenever we'd come up against something that we're like, well, I'm not really sure how we're going to get that pulled together. And she said, well, good thing we serve the God of all resources. Yep, you're right. Mama Pastor says God is the God of all resources. And that is right. I love to see when we put something over into Jesus' hands, he multiplies it. Have you ever seen the Lord multiply something before you? Maybe something that was totally impossible? I saw it when we were living over there. It was the year 2011, in fact, 2011. And um, we had come back here to the States for a visit and spoke with um, the leadership at the church. Like, hey, what's one of your guys' biggest needs? And we're like, honestly... What we need is more living space for the kids that, of the orphanage that we were working in at that time. What we had were two rooms, one room for girls and one room for boys, and that's kind of the situation that we had walked into. And in the one room for boys, there were 17 boys living in this one small room. It's not like a room like this. It's a small, like your regular bedroom at home. It was a bedroom where 17 boys are living in there together. There wasn't even room on the floor for another person to squeeze in there to sleep. We needed more space. We had 13 girls over in the room. We'd been praying about it. We had been concerned about it. But we were thinking, man, how in the world are we going to get together enough money for us to build a new dorm? Well, when we came back to the church, and I said, what's your need? Well, we need a dorm. We had already got an estimate for it. We, our estimate was $55,000. Well, if you're living in a small village in West Africa, that is a lot of money. And that looked really impossible to us. But when the church said, hey, we want to participate in that. We want to be able to chip away at that. We thought, oh, awesome, great. Maybe, like, we'll be able to get up to, like, halfway to that in this year. And then we'll just keep chipping away and, and keep asking the Lord to provide that. Well, you know what happened? People gave their bag. They brought their bag and they gave it to the Lord. And what happened was we started building. We had that money. We started building. People kept giving and kept giving. And with a little bit of bag that they gave to the Lord... When we said we needed 55000 when we got done building that dorm and we got all the way to the end, we needed $112,000. Guess how much God gave through this church? $112,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that which was given to him, he took and he multiplied it. Here's the deal. Only that which is given to the Lord, only that two fish and those five loaves were multiplied. If it were never given to him, the disciples would have just been snacking. But when it was given to him, Jesus cared for everyone who was there. See, Jesus cared about their stomach. He didn't just care about their spiritual life. He cared that they walked away, that their stomach was filled as well. And I know what that looks like because the people I work with on a daily basis, they might eat one meal a day. They might come to me and say they haven't had anything to eat yet today or they haven't had anything since yesterday morning. And Jesus doesn't only care about your spiritual life. He cares about your physical life. There's no separation of the two. He cares about all of it. And when we give it to him, he multiplies it and he was able to provide for everyone who was there. When it was given to the Lord for the dorm, he multiplied it and provided for so many more children. 
for the first time in their life, they had their own bed. They had their own closet. They had a room where they weren't piled on top of each other or sleeping on the floor. Man, that's incredible. God is the God of all resources. But here's the deal. In our culture, we believe lies too often, but they're tricky because we don't really realize that they're lies. But some of the lies that we believe, the greatest lies we believe are the ones that we tell ourselves. And here's what our culture tells us, is that we are to produce, we are to um, be able to make it on our own. We're supposed to be self-sufficient. We're independent. I'm going to make it. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to raise myself up. The lie is that you can do it on your own. The lie is that you're good enough on your own, that you can figure this out. But don't forget Philip. He was adding it up, but that would have never been enough if Jesus didn't come in and multiply it. There's this word that we find in scripture only four times, and three of the times that it's found, Jesus is the one speaking it. The word is in Aramaic, and the word is mammon. And that word is used particularly when it comes to riches, when Jesus is talking about people chasing after riches. Here's the attitude that's connected to that word, and the problem with that word is that riches are self-reliant, that you can be self-reliant with the riches, that those riches will give you the fulfillment. They will give you everything you need as long as you can get those riches. It will produce for you everything you need and want in life. But that is a lie because only the Lord can fulfill purpose in your life. Money can never do that. Only the Lord can fulfill purpose and significance in your life. Money can't do that. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the nice things in the world. But if you don't have purpose, your heart will never be fulfilled. There are no hitches on hearsts. See, what happens is Hammond tells you, the spirit of riches tells you to buy and sell and make a profit. Buy and sell and get higher. Buy and sell and have more. And this is what's going to fulfill you in life. But the kingdom of God and what God says is sow and reap. Sow and reap. That means you're planting in things that are not of just this world. You're planting in things that will reap a harvest of eternity. It goes beyond the things that we can have here. And those are the things that when we can plant and reap in eternity, those are the things that are fulfilling. Those will last for us. We don't need a hearst or a hitch for that. That's going. It's already there. And those are incredible opportunities that we have. You know what I love doing? I love spending my dad's money. It is easy to spend my dad's money. Anybody else with me? If it's like we're, one of the things John and I do is we try and reserve our finances by not eating out. We like to eat at home to try and, you know, cut back on finances and stuff. We've got food at the house. We don't want to waste it. We'll just go home and make something. And then dad's like, hey, where do you guys want to go? We're like, oh, no, we got food at the house. He says, I'm buying. Where are we going? I'm in. I've been trying to figure out how to get him to come to the 11 o'clock service because we usually attend the 11 o'clock service and he attends the 9 a.m. service. I'm like, if he could attend the 11 o'clock service, we can get him to take us out to eat on Sundays after church. <laughs> it's a lot easier to spend dad's money, but I think I figured out that he intentionally goes to the 9 o'clock service so that we're not begging him to take us out to eat afterwards, right? Like, this is an economic choice for him. <laughs> it is so much easier to spend his money. When I was in college, my parents, I was away at college, and so they gave me a credit card. For emergency uses only. Yeah, you know where it's going. <laughs> well, my emergencies were much different than their emergencies. My emergencies were I ran out of clean underwear, so I've got to run out and get some more. As opposed to just doing my laundry. My emergencies were we need some snacks for movie night with the girls. All of those type of things. It's so much easier to spend somebody else's money. 
But here's what I realized after living overseas for so long and being in difficult situations with the Lord is God truly is the Lord of all resources. He is the God of all resources. And there's a change in perspective. Sometimes a change in perspective changes everything. When I have a change in perspective that everything I have is actually God's, it's not mine. When I can begin to understand and see that everything is actually God's, I move from a a position of ownership over my bag to stewardship of my bag. When I can understand that God gave me everything and everything is his, I realize that I am not the owner of this bag. I am the steward of this bag. The steward means that I am an overseer or a manager of someone else's matter. I need to take my position as a manager of the resources that the Lord has given me. And see, when I recognize that the resources God has given me are not mine, I make different choices. I spend it differently. I have a different responsibility of what that looks like. God gives us these resources And he says, manage them well. Here's some instructions. God gives us instructions when he gives us these resources. He gives us instructions as far as how we're supposed to spend our finances as well. We're going to find some of those instructions in in the Old Testament. It comes all the way from the beginning. And what God says is, I'm going to give you all of this, and I'm asking you to give me a tenth of that back. A tenth is a tithe. One tenth of that. See, God is so generous that he says, all of this is mine, but I'm giving it to you, and I'm asking you to just give me 10% back, and you can do what you want with the 90. But with that 10%, he multiplies it. And Malachi, we're going to dive into Malachi chapter 3, because this is something that really hit me. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are, you, uh, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, you whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, said the Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, test me in this. This is the only time God says, test me. With your finances, test me and see if I won't do this. You know why he says test me? Because we're scared. He knew we were going to be scared. We're scared because we think when we hold on to money, we think I have a better control of it. See, really the, the issue is our heart. The issue is trust. The issue is our heart. I think I can do better than God, so I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to hold on to this and make sure that I have everything that I need first. And then if I've got something left over, then I'm going to give it to him. But he says, bring it to me first. When we bring it to him first, what we are saying is, I trust you. I know you've got me. I'm not going to let money be the thing that I put all of my faith and trust in. You are what I put all of my faith and trust in. See, it's not an issue. He's not chasing after your money. He's chasing after your heart. Pastor Brad said last week when we were talking about where do we give our time, are we putting it in the word? The first thing that we give our time to shows where our allegiance is. The first thing that we give our money to shows where our allegiance is. If you want to know what's important to somebody, see where they're spending their money. That's what's important to them, what they're investing in, where they're spending their money. Because for whatever reason, we as human beings, we hold on to our money and our resources tighter than anything. 
Now our resources are our times, our talent, and um, our money. Time, talent, and money. Now some of you, it's really easy to write a check, but it's not easy for you to give your time. Some of you, you just want to give your time, but you don't want it to affect your checkbook. God says, I care about all of you. I want to have the first place in every aspect of your heart. And that means trusting him with that which is most important to us, that which we try to feel our most security in, which is our finances. Would you trust him with it? When we give to the Lord's kingdom, when he says give your tithe, those things were originally planned because there were certain people who were set aside to do the work of the Lord, to work in the temple. And those finances, that first tenth was to go to take care of them and their family because they weren't out farming and doing other things because they were taking care of what God needed them to take care of in the kingdom. And so it was going towards that. And then beyond that, it was meeting the needs of other people. I see that firsthand in my life. I get to see how God is meeting the physical needs of other people around the world. Here's the deal. God doesn't need you. He's the God of all resources. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And he chooses you. And he wants to work through you. See, when Jesus took the loaves of uh, bread and the two fish, don't miss this. The first thing he did was he gave thanks. Some of us need a gratitude adjustment. He gave thanks for it. Are we giving thanks to the Lord for that which he has put in our hands and recognizing how generous he is with us and saying, thank you. I want to give back to the Lord because he's been so generous to me. God doesn't need you. He wants you. He's not chasing after your money. He's chasing after your heart. He's, what he did when he took, when Jesus took those five loaves after he prayed and the other accounts of feeding the 5,000, he said he put it back into the disciples' hands and they distributed it. Why? Because God wants to do a miracle through your hands. He wants you to be able to experience what he can do in and through you. We get to participate. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. It is an opportunity that we have that we get to invest in what God is doing in the world that is bigger and better than anything we can do. We can't feed 5,000, but he can. We can't build a dorm, but he can. He, He allows us to partake in that. Don't believe the lie that you're enough. Don't believe the lie that you can do it. God wants you to know you need him because you do. And when you do and when you give to him, when you give him that place of your heart, when you give him that, when you give him that bag, he says, test me and see if I'm not going to open up the barn doors. See, he gives us blessings. That might not be that you get a lot more money. That's not the point. We're not giving to God so he gives back to us, okay? He wants your heart. He wants a cheerful giver. That's what the Bible says. He wants a cheerful giver. Why? He wants a cheerful heart because he's not concerned about the bag. He's concerned about your heart. Do you trust him with every aspect? Will you put him first in every aspect? He can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And it's incredible. I have seen the Lord do some incredible things. There was a day we were at our baby program. We get to give formula to babies who have lost their mothers or mothers who can't Um, nurse their babies for whatever reason. And there was a lady who came in there because she had heard 
that in our program, we will help others. And what had happened was she had already lost her husband and um, he had abandoned her, in fact, is what happened. And so the baby that she had was very ill and she had no resources to take the baby to the hospital. There in the hospital, you have to go with your money first in order to have all the treatment. It's not a pay after kind of deal. You have to go and buy the IV tubing, you buy the needles, you buy the medication for the nurse to then administer that. She was hopeless. She knew her child was in desperate situation and she came to us and she said, hey, this is a situation. We could see that the child was really ill. And we said, okay, yep, um, we're going to help you. Here's some money. We're going to have somebody follow you to the hospital and try and get this figured out. And that lady dropped to her knees right there. And she said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've responded. See, she wasn't thanking us because we didn't do anything. I don't know who gave that money. But God gave somebody the opportunity to give their bag in order to meet the needs of somebody on the other world. And you know what that did? That brought praise to Jesus. That brought glory to Jesus. And that's the point. That's the point. When we give our bag to him, will he receive glory and honor afterwards? Because the point isn't us. The point is turning back to him. There was a, a grandmother who came to us when we were doing school supplies. And one of the teachers that we work with brought the grandmother to our office and explained that this grandmother had already buried all of her children. And now she was taking care of her grandchildren, the children of the children she's already buried. She was old. All of her husband's gone. All of her children are gone. She is this old lady who's still just trying to feed herself and these two kids. And when she came to us, we could assess the situation. And we were able to say, hey, we're going to take care of all of their school supplies this year. We're going to be able to take care of all of their school fees. And the granddaughter of this lady also had sickle cell anemia. If you don't know what that is, it is a rough medical condition to live with. She's in a lot of pain. It's affecting her. She needs medication. She needs help. But the grandmother isn't able to do all of this. It's not us doing it. The Lord sent us to do his work. Somebody gave their bag. Somebody gave their bag to the kingdom, and we were able to say we're going to do all of this. I will never forget that grandmother just started crying. She, too, raised up her hands and said, I've been praying. I didn't know how it was going to happen, and the Lord did it again. The Lord does incredible things when we will surrender everything unto him, when we will trust him with everything. He gives us the opportunity to be a part of what he is doing in the world, and it is amazing. See, here's the deal. When God gives to you, God is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't do anything with force. He doesn't say, you have to give that back to me. I will oblige you to give that back to me. He doesn't. He says, I'm giving you the opportunity to see beyond yourself, to allow me to multiply. We see it time and time again that Jesus, you know, you know what I love about the disciples? They're just knuckleheads like I am. You know why? Because they already had seen Jesus doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And then we come up to the situation of the 5,000 and they're like, what are we going to do? It's like, seriously, you've just seen me do all of these impossible things and you're trying. But hey, I know that story. That's me too. I've seen the Lord work time and time again. And yet I go back to my worries. See, we get caught up in some worries that we're not going to have enough. But what if I don't have enough? You know, I said we had to trust God with our finances when we left to go to Benin. Well, 
any time that I started to look into our finances to say, well, we've got to get new tires. Oh, well, we've got to get a new stove or we need a generator because there's no electricity there. All of these different needs. You know what happened? I started to worry again, how are we going to do this? Oh, we're probably going to have to start doing some fundraising now because we really need some money. Because see, I understand, we understand in our organization that sometimes people are concerned with where they're giving their money because they don't trust where it's going because they've seen it been misused. And so in our organization, the only time that John and I would have finances were if those that check was written, it said John and Ashley on the bottom. It was very specific. Anything else went just to the ministry. But the Lord told us, will you trust me? Are you going to trust me with your finances? You don't need to fundraise. I've got you. And you know what? The Lord had those checks come in so that we had our needs. We had food to eat. We had a house that we could live in. We had our needs provided. And yet... Like the disciples, I've seen him do it, and I still go back and worry. And the Lord knows that we do that. He knows that we struggle with that. But he says in Matthew chapter 6, he says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The Lord knows we struggle with this worry. He says, I, I clothe the flowers out in the, in the pastures, in the gardens. I, he makes them clothed and beautiful. How much more important are we? Whenever I would try and take control and worry about our finances and think about it, we were always on the scarcity side. We were always struggling. But whenever I would turn it over to the Lord, whenever I would give him that bag, we always had everything that we needed. There was no struggle. He always came through. I know him to be faithful because I have seen him time and time again provide. But here's the deal. The Lord wants me to know that in my heart. When we're giving him that bag, it's not because he's chasing after your money. He's chasing after your heart. If something else has control of your heart, it's time to reestablish where your heart is. We invite you into that. See, when we let go of that bag, our hand is open and we can live expectant for God to do far beyond what we could ever think or ask or imagine because that is the God we serve. He is the God of multiplication and he can do that. Would you give him control of every aspect of your life? Maybe you give and it's time to start tithing. Maybe you tithe and it's time to start being generous. Maybe you need to give your time. Maybe you need to give another resource. I don't know, but would you give it over to the Lord? Maybe it's not even that that you're worried about. Maybe the Lord doesn't even have your heart yet. What might be controlling your heart? Is it the corporate ladder? Is it getting to that next promotion? Maybe it's an addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe it's living vicariously through your kids. Maybe it's trying to be the influencer and have all of these followers behind you. Maybe it's the distractions that are in your life. What is it that has your heart? Jesus wants your heart, and you can trust him with it. Maybe you've never given the Lord your heart. We want to make sure to offer you that opportunity today to surrender your heart unto him. He, gener he is so generous with us that he gave his son to die for us that we would be able to live in eternity and freedom with him. Would you stand with me? We like to offer everybody the opportunity to receive Christ. Romans 10.9 says, 
these, uh, it says these words. And we wanna give you the opportunity today to say a prayer and proclaim that God is the savior of your life, that he is the controller of your heart. If you have never said this, and you want to give the Lord your heart, you just repeat after us. If you have said this a million times and you already, the Lord has control of your heart, say it again and proclaim it with those around you. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Let's celebrate that. Hallelujah. Hey, would you pray with me? Father God, we bring to you all of our heart. We bring to you whatever it is that is controlling us. Lord, you are speaking to us, and I pray that we would be obedient, that those who are feeling your call and your tug, Father God, when they are, they will respond to that. The people who have given, chosen to give their life to Christ for the very first time, God, I ask that you would just fill them with your Holy Spirit. We know that you've already done it, God. We know that you have great plans for each one of us. We know that living in you and with you is our purpose and our fulfillment, God. You have come to give us life to the fullest and we claim that life in Jesus' name. God, we give all of these things unto you and pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.